0: Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Kia ora online, how is it? And uh, how is it everyone here? Great to see everyone here. Um, I know it's a long weekend; a few people away, but uh, I believe in praying that the people who are should be here this morning are here to hear what I have to share. So I'll be sharing uh, quite a bit from my heart. That's where I come from. Uh, bit of a heart sort of a guy. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> when Catherine uh, asked me if I'd like to be involved in the, the series of emotional and mental health, that is what we're doing for, for about four weeks, I said, sure, I can do that. And then afterwards I thought, yikes, <laughs> what have I let myself in for? Because uh, I, I'm surely not an expert on emotional and mental health. I know that much. But over the years, I've read a lot of books on uh, a person's emotional and mental health. But when it comes to myself personally, the book that I find myself constantly referring to, to try to understand what's going on in my head and how it's affecting my attitudes and behaviour, then the book is the Bible. <clears throat> That's my go-to book and probably my favorite go-to scripture is the one that we're going to look at now in Matthew 7:24 to 27. A familiar passage. Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and they Rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Is there another one? Over the page and everyone who who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell, and its collapse was great. I like this parable because it can only really be interpreted one way, you know. It's black and white. There's no sort of hidden message in there that we try to work out what Jesus is actually saying. Uh, It's a parable that offers an amazing promise. uh, To live a life built upon a firm foundation. One which enables us to stand even when the storms of life come crashing against us. We can stand. They can rage all around us but not knock us over. Who doesn't want that in their life? But the promise comes with a condition. It's dependent, it's fulfillment in our life is dependent upon what we do with what Jesus said and taught. We have a responsibility in it. The topic I'm talking about this morning is forgiveness. My reference point's going to be scripture. And uh, who better to teach about it than Jesus himself? Yeah. So when I'm talking about forgiveness, it's important to note that there are two aspects of forgiveness. One is forgiving others, and the other is forgiving ourselves. Uh, the one I'm talking about this morning Is forgiving others They both have the same intention or the same goal And that is to know healing at the end But the journey that we take for both of those is slightly different So this morning, forgiving others Now there can be times in our lives where people deeply hurt us By things that they say and things that they do This can happen over a period of time, it might be weeks, months, years even, or it could be a single one-off event. Either way, it's traumatic. It cuts deep, it hurts, and it knocks us over. In my years from childhood right up to when I started working, I can't recall anything Traumatic happening in my life. Nothing, at any rate, that knocked me over. Sure, there were events, things happen like that when you're growing up, but nothing knocked me over until one day when I was 26, an event happened. I was at work. I received a phone call from my wife. Then we'd been married three years, and she asked me to come home from work. She sounded quite upset so I went home expecting the worst as you would thinking well something's happened you know there's been an accident perhaps someone has died I I didn't know when I got home uh, she sat down and we talked and she proceeded to tell me that she was leaving the marriage this was right out of left field for me and uh after some to and froing, she acknowledged that, yes, there was someone else involved. That tipped me over. Now, I share this really carefully and respect- respectfully here, because I don't want to discredit or dishonour her. That day was emotionally charged and painful for both of us. That event set me on a journey that was to be my journey for a good number of years ahead. It began to manipulate my thought life. It played with my head. And out of that developed some what I would call stinking thinking and also some really unhealthy um, habits and behaviour. My feelings were all over the place. They'd be up and down, hot and cold, just unstable, I could swing from real anger, like deep, deep anger, all the way through to just broken despair. There was a lot of confusion, uh, a lot of sort of uh, just feelings of worthlessness that went with it, and then of course there was always just this underlying pain, this gnawing, nagging pain that was there. And as the years passed, I just didn't like who I was becoming, but I felt seemingly powerless to be able to do anything about it. I wasn't a Christian in those days, and counselling certainly wasn't a thing that guys did back then. So although I knew the word forgiveness, it was part of vocabulary, I didn't know that it was something that you could actually put into practice. So let's turn to the word and see what Jesus has to say about forgiveness. There's a parable, quite a lengthy passage of scripture that identifies what forgiveness is, different aspects of it and how it works. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Yep, reading from the New Living Translation. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy seven times. Or, sorry, seventy times seven. Uh, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, One of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and released him and forgave his debt. they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his debt. His entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. It's a parable. A story that Jesus is using to illustrate a number of principles around forgiveness. The first thing we can see is that he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to blah, blah, blah. What he's talking about is that forgiveness is a kingdom principle, all right? We've been doing a series on kingdom of late. Gideon's been taking us through that. And here, Jesus is identifying that forgiveness is a kingdom principle. It's something that is part of his kingdom. But forgiveness, forgiveness is also to be a kingdom practice. Verse 33, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? So there are different components to the kingdom. You know, there's the sort of uh, principles and power out there in the spiritual ether. There's the, the Lord's reign on earth. But he's bringing this right down to a personal level. The Lord's reign in our very heart. This is an individual response that he's talking about. Not something that's out there, but something that is in here. Forgiveness. The debt that someone may owe us is nothing by comparison to our indebtedness to God. The Father gave everything in giving Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. The unconditional mercy that God extends to us is to be the same that we are to extend to others who sin against us. The second point I'd like to bring out of this is that unforgiveness carries consequences. Verses 32 to 35, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Where it says, sent the man to prison to be tortured, some other translations use the word there, tormented. Tortured or tormented. So, what's Jesus actually saying here? I don't believe for one moment that he's suggesting that God hands us over to the devil if we don't forgive someone. No. This is a parable, it's a word picture that he's painting of what it's like if there is unforgiveness, if we're unforgiving. The principle being that the consequences of of us not forgiving brings with it torture and torment to us. Torment that plays with our head and manipulates our feelings. Thoughts and feelings that lock us up. That's what he's talking about, with the language that he's using and the picture that he's painting. In the parable, we don't know why the man didn't forgive. It's not clear. It's not pointed out there. But I once heard this, that where a person says, I can't do anything about it, they're often just meaning, I'm choosing not to do anything about it. Forgiveness is a choice. It will involve our feelings, but it's not determined by, by them. Okay, it's a choice that we make whether we feel like it or not. But why do we have to forgive? Why can't we just move on? Because it's the exercise of forgiveness that sets us free so that we can move on. Forgiveness is not about letting the offender off the hook, which is often a false belief. That's a lie. It's not about letting the offender off the hook. That's their own journey that they have to walk and work through. Forgiveness is about letting ourself free so that we can move on. Uh, that the offences that were done against us no longer influence and manipulate our thought life and our feelings. Another point from this parable is that forgiveness is an act of the will. It comes from the heart. He said there, verse 35, unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. Now, there's a little uh, proverb, Proverbs 4.23, and the New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If we choose not to forgive, then we can expect that to influence the course of our life. It's as simple as that. It's not God punishing us, okay? It's just the consequences of our will. Seven years on from that eventful day of my life, God, by his mercy and grace intervened. I'd been visiting a church for a wee while, and when one Sunday night, I gave my life to the Lord. Yeah, that's, gra- that's grace, that's amazing grace, yeah. Uh, and a short time after that, I was divorced by this time, but I sensed that I was to forgive my ex-wife. I sat down and wrote her a letter I won't, and I can't divulge what was in the letter, except to say that what I felt was on my heart to share, I shared with her. Okay? A voice, uh, sort of at that time, I heard this voice. As I put this letter into the envelope and sealed it, this quiet, gentle inner voice that I'd never heard before said to me, it's complete, it's finished. You know? I now know that was the Holy Spirit. But I was, I was a new Christian, I was learning this stuff. Uh, now, at that time I didn't understand what I'd just done. But that parable that we were looking at, right at the beginning, that teaching of Jesus, came out of a question that Peter one of his disciples asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 77, 70 times seven. Some translations say 77, some say 70 times seven. Now, Jesus is not suggesting here that there's a magic formula that we, we get a calendar on the wall and tick off the days or days in our diary. He's not suggesting that. There's significance in the number seven. Jesus was talking at the time in Matthew's Gospel, talking predominantly to a Jewish crowd. And in Jewish numerics, the number seven represents completion. So what Jesus is saying is this. We are to forgive until it is complete, finished. Wow. That's, so That's what the Holy Spirit quickened to me that day. So and I was yet to learn what it really meant. Now, there's one final point that I'd like to make. If the band can, could come up at this point too, thanks. <clears throat> That this final point is this, but it's an important one, that forgiveness is not our healing. Forgiveness just by itself is not our healing, but what it does is it positions us so that we might begin to know and experience our healing. That was the case in my life. I had just become a Christian. I'd received the Lord's forgiveness is grace and mercy. I had exercised my forgiveness, but I still had in here a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, and I still had in here a lot of confused thinking. I needed healing. If an event from a person's past still negatively and painfully affects them today, then it is not in their past. It is still very much alive and active in their present life. And Jesus wants us to know healing for that. Revelation 3.20, a well-known scripture. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and, and they with me. This is the words of Jesus, Jesus himself speaking. Now that passage of Scripture is often used in reference to the new Christian coming to Christ, you know. That God's knocking on the person's heart and they respond. But in the context of Scripture, it was written... For the Christian Because it was in the form of a letter That Jesus had for a church He had numbers of letters for different churches You can read it in the book of Revelation Beginning there And so that letter And that scripture there Applies to the church Which is You and me It applies to us We may have invited Christ into our lives, but still have room, rooms even, in our hearts that are firmly locked. These are the places we don't want to go to. These are the places that we want to hide from. We don't want to even go there anymore. We've just parked them up and locked them up in there. And Jesus stands on the door, outside that door, of that room and knocks on the door. You see, the key thing with this is where are we standing? We know where he's standing, but where are we standing? We're not on the outside with him looking at a door and he's not turning saying, hey, what's that door? He's not doing that. We're on the inside. We're on the other side of the door. And if we're on the other side of the door, we're in the very room of the stuff that we don't want. The room of pain. The room of shame, the room of fear, the room of torment. We're in there, locked in there. And Jesus knocks on the door and says, Will you invite me in? Forgiveness is a key that can open that door for people. It's not the only key. There are a number of other keys. But this morning I'm talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a key that can open that door. For Jesus to come in, then to bring us forgiveness and his mercy and his healing into the stuff that's in that room. If there's anyone here today or anyone online that this might apply to, can I encourage you, open the door, exercise the forgiveness that will open that door in your heart to let Jesus come in with the fullness of his mercy and healing. Lord Jesus, from you and through you and to you are all things, all things to your glory always and forever. Amen.